755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric, man, I bet you wish you were on this Braves team right now, huh? Man, it looks fun. They're having fun. I mean, and I honestly, man, I, I feel pretty good about them against the Dodgers right now. You know, if you'd have said that uh, two or three weeks ago, I would have I said you're crazy. Yep. But after, but but you know what? Everything has changed with Kyle Wright emerging in that three spot, and with yeah. all the bullpen being healthy and going on full bore, you know, clicking on all cylinders at at the same time, man. I yeah. think it changes everything with this kind of pitching. Yeah, I mean, you feel now after watching after that series, you feel like you can match up with them, and and there's still you know some question marks in that four spot. Yeah. But still, three three really good starts out of those guys. Well, Max had his Max didn't have a great start, but I still feel great about him. Right. Uh, Anderson was he just hasn't slowed down at all. Um, and then that start from right yesterday was huge. You know, just answering a lot of questions. God, I mean, Kyle, the the corner that that guy turned a few weeks ago, beginning with that uh, win against Max Scherzer when he came back from the alternate site. I mean, he's been a, just a different guy. I, what he did before is almost irrelevant now. Yeah, I mean, the only question I have with him is whether he has a ridiculously good slider or the Marlins had kind of a ridiculous approach yesterday, you know, who to give the credit to because he threw so many sliders and they just didn't make the adjustments. So that that tells me either, you know, I mean, major league hitters, if, if you're watching the game, Przinsky was calling every time Wright was yeah. going to a slider. So yeah. that tells me that, you know, a major league hitter is going to make that adjustment. They're watching the game. They just weren't seeing it. They just weren't picking it up. Um, and so my, my question is, you know, if it, a good team, a really smart, experienced team like the Dodgers, if they're going to go up there and sit on it and, you know, maybe not take the first pitch strike that, that the Marlins took a lot and then not uh-huh. chase as much. So that, that'll be the big test for them. I, I think the verdict's still out on a little bit, but that was a pretty dominant start. The, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, yeah, I I've, I can't remember a team flipping the script, as Freddie said himself, quite like this team did, in that they were clicking along and we thought it's Max Freed and, you know, pray for rain for a yeah. while. And then going in, it's, it's like, okay, this offense, they're just going to have to outslug teams and win eight to yep. six, which they can do if they're all, if they're going. But it was all, it was all Pitching. offense. And do they have enough on the days when Max pitch it, when Max doesn't pitch to, to uh, stay with other teams? Yeah. And it was, it's been totally the opposite in back-to-back playoff series. The pitching has been absolutely dominant. Yeah. And the offense, really, they've had some big innings, one or two, you know, three or four big innings. But the offense, for the most part, yesterday was a lot better. Seven runs yesterday yeah. is more typical of what they did. But, uh, you know, other than the one big inning they had against the Reds, they really have, the offense hasn't been consistent at all, whereas no. the pitching has just been lights out. Yeah, I mean they faced tough pitching too. You know the Reds pitching yeah. was oh yeah, Bauer, Co. That's that's what five they did straight all year. really good pitchers. I thought five straight really good pitchers. Um, but you know you saw yesterday as soon as they got an opening, um, and it can happen just like we've been saying. They just you know Acuna gets on, steals second, and I think what oh, hurt yeah. Sanchez, Sixto Sanchez yesterday. I think what hurt him um, was that four minute delay. He had to wait two minutes for the um, for the replay on Acuna stealing second, and then he had to uh-huh. then he had to wait another two or three minutes um, when F- Freddie was asking if it was a ball to strike, and the ump had no clue what it was. He didn't remember what he called. I, yeah, that was a ridiculous replay. I, I didn't understand that at all. That was that should never happen in in the uh, postseason in a major no. league game, but much less the postseason. No, I mean stuff speeds up on umpires too, but you got to know the count. But either way, you know, having to stand there for four or five minutes and kind of idle and then face Freddie Freeman. Um, And I was really impressed. You know, one of my favorite things I saw yesterday was with Acuna on second and one out, Freddie comes up and just tries to keep the line moving. Just Uh Przinsky even said it on on TV. He said, you know, I almost guarantee this at-bat ends with Acuna at least at third base. Mm -hmm. Freddie hits a single to the left side. And then Ozuna comes right up after him. Instead of trying to hit a three-run homer, he sees a big hole in the right yeah. side, gets a fastball in, and just slaps it in that hole. That was um, a pro at bat there. I love that. I love seeing that. And, 
you know, that's just an unselfish kind of team approach. That's how you get runs in. But then it only took one extra base hit that inning. They score four runs. Next guy, Darno, hits a double. Um, I, I just I love seeing that out of this offense that they can play small ball too. Yeah, and they've done it, and they're uh, and they're kind of professional. Get the guys that have the professional at bats have done that. Even Freddie always struggled as much always. as he has in the postseason. He was scorching balls two games ago, and then yesterday a couple of big at bats. So I'm not yeah. worried about him at all. That game where he went over two days ago, he had two Whatever. of the hardest hit balls of the day. 107 yeah. exit velo and 101, and the other was 98. It's a high 90s. So yeah. I'm not worried about him at all. I mean, he's due for a huge, huge game. And uh, you can say that about a few other guys, but uh, that you know, just the pitching that just can't be overstated how big it has been, how they've come up and just not had one bad inning. Which no. <laughs> you, you know, and if they did, it was Max's inning. You know, yeah. of all the yeah. guys. Yeah, which is best case scenario because yeah, he's been the most consistent and you know he's, exactly. he's their ace. But you know, I, I was thinking about it the other day how you know Anthopolis got a lot of criticism around the trade deadline, and maybe he yeah. knew Anderson. I don't know how, but maybe he knew, or if he did know, you know, he couldn't get what he wanted. But uh-huh. if he knew Anderson was going to do this, I don't think anybody knew he was going to be this good. Um, but that, you know, he, it doesn't look so bad right now. Well, who are the two guys that we wanted? Clevenger or Lance Lynn? It's hurt. Yep. Lance Lynn gives out 10 after that has worst start of his career, I think, give up 10 runs. And Clevenger's hurt. So, yep. I mean, if you would have traded for one of those guys right now, there'd be so much hand wringing and people going, we should have known he was hurt and all the damaged goods. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, maybe you gave up Pache or somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would have had to. You wouldn't have got him without giving up one, a guy that would have really been painful to give up or yeah. more than one because they were asking for three of the brace top four guys. You know, they're asking yeah. for Pache, Riley, uh, uh, Waters. One was asking for Anderson. I mean, they were, giving, they were asking for those kind of guys. Yeah. And who would have, I mean, you know, seen... go ahead. Hey, so many people would have given up right. You know, yeah, how right, yeah. Everybody's like, trade yeah. him, trade. We should have traded him while he had yeah. value. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm still, you know, I, I thought that was a really good start for him, but I'm gonna nitpick a little bit that I don't think he's pitching the contact enough. Um, and it, uh-huh. you know, it's hard. It's really hard for him in that situation when he got in trouble. Um, you know, he had he had first and second no outs, and he just threw about thirty straight sliders and got out of the inning. And it's it's a tough spot for him because if he gives up a couple hits there, he's probably coming out of the game. So he almost has to pitch a certain way yeah. to stay in the game because the confidence isn't there. It worked out, but what I'd like to see him do is when you get in that situation, try to get a double play or pitch to contact more. And that's something you kind of learn over time. And he has a good fastball. He throws ninety five with good movement. Um, I just for me, I'm, I'm curious how the Dodgers are going to approach him. If they're, you know, they got a lot of really experienced hitters that could just go up there sitting on slider, like, you know, Turner, um, Betts will do it. Yeah. It's it's going to be real. That'll be the real challenge Bellinger. for him. But if he does this, yeah, Bellinger. But if he does the same thing, if he throws that many sliders and gets the same results against the Dodgers, then for me, he's he's an ace in the making because that just means his slider's just that damn good. Well, he said the right things afterwards because he talked about how that was the big adjustment he made when he went down was getting having confidence in his stuff and, and most importantly in his defense and letting them you know, yeah. let it employ and play and hit behind and and make plays behind him. So he at least said all the right things, and that's what uh, the big one of the big changes he's made the mental mental side of it uh, as well as the physical. You know, moving to the extreme uh, to the first base side of the pitching rubber. Yeah, yeah. Well, that probably made his slider a lot better. Yeah, you know that angle probably helped him a ton right. against the righties because. I mean, I was watching it, and it, I know he's throwing another slider. And I'm thinking, how do the Marlins not know he's throwing another slider? He throws a slider in the dirt, they swing again, right? Or first pitch, he'd throw a get-me-over right down the middle, and they take it like they didn't know he's going to do it. So that's why I'm saying, you know, it's probably just a pitch that's coming out, the angle it's coming out, the spin on it. They're just not picking it up and not reading it. So it's a really good sign. But watching it, you know, you don't know until yeah. he does it against a really elite team right, right. Um, if that slider is the pitch that, that it looked like yesterday. And they've been fortunate in that they faced a Cincinnati lineup that has some yeah. dangerous hitters, yeah. but they swing for the fences and they have a ton of strikeouts and they relied so much on the home run. And the Braves don't give up home runs. I mean, they keep the ball right. down for the most part, or you know. Um, and then they faced a Marlins lineup. It's a good lineup. It's not bad at all. Yeah. They got some, but they were without Marte, yeah. arguably their best hitter. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that helped for sure. They still had some dangerous guys in there. Brian Anderson, they they they, they kept him relatively quiet, and he's a really good hitter. Uh, and Amano's missed some real opportunities in those first three innings yesterday. Yeah, but Kyle Wright, did. that's what he's done when he's been on his best. That's, that's the one thing he did do uh, early on when he was struggling so much. He would get out of those jams for two or three innings, and then it would blow up on him. And right. it did not happen yesterday. He got out of those jams, and then he got in a groove and didn't even let guys get on base. Yeah, yeah, and he just, you know, he just he kept going to that pitch, and it worked. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to really. I mean, I'm sitting here kind of criticizing it, but right. it's hard to criticize something that. Why would you change it if they keep swinging at it? So that's why I'm just real interested to see how it plays against yeah. the Dodgers. Oh, I see what you, I, I, I hear you, man. I think everybody would be curious, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but if he has that, I mean, you got three guys that you could almost call aces. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way he pitched well, yesterday and the numbers he's putting up. And look at next year when you get Soroka yeah. back. Uh, if yeah. you add a guy, You're four deep. I mean, I mean, I know people are, are 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 hoping and wishing and dreaming or whatever. But man, how about if you went out and tried to get Trevor Bauer? If you added that to that, well, if he's doing before. if he's doing the one year deal, why not? <laughs> and if I don't know if he'll him, stick then, to that. And if but. I do, I I know you know. Have you seen him playing with all these markets online? No. Look at some of his tweets. Oh, he's playing with everybody. He's like, uh, hey, is oh, there anywhere interesting to guys. eat? Is there anywhere to eat? And uh, man, look, it looks like the Yankees could sure use some more. How about if the Yankees added some more starting pitching? Or how about if the if the Dodgers? Uh, man, imagine the Dodgers if they added another starter. <laughs> on and on. He's a definite rogue. I think his um. I think his agent's his girlfriend or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> he said something about – he said, hey, I'm in D.C. Uh, if, if I'm not in meetings all day here, where's a good place to eat? <laughs> He's just playing with everybody, man. He's a clown. He's loving it. Uh, so, hey, so the Braves starters, they go into the postseason with a 5.51 ERA, which I didn't realize till later, was the worst ever for a starters ERA for a postseason team, ever. Now, granted, it's expanded postseason, the 16 teams, so that's going to be the year where that happens, and it's a 60 game season. But and it's not the guys that did it. No, exactly, exactly. The guys that did it are guys we're not going to see it in in any capacity. Any point, yeah, yeah. Except for Wright, who had to, and he pointed that out. He goes, "Well, I was I was a big reason that the rotation did struggle because <laughs> that, yeah. but that was the 8.0 <laughs> ERA, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's looked a lot different lately." So, but that rotation, uh, you know, they come in with that rotation, and they've have a one point two six ERA in five postseason games. Now that's two by Freed, two by Ian Anderson, who's been unbelievable. I mean, he hasn't given up a run; he hasn't given up anything, man. The guy's just been ridiculous for a twenty two year old rookie he's with six different. major league starts under his belt before this postseason. Uh, he just, I think, it, who was it? Was it Barnhart that that was talking about how his fastball is just yeah. different, over the top? It's not something. Yeah, he which, said he pitched in the Iron Mike pitching machine. Yeah, which really plays into his favor because you can watch all the video you want, you know, especially if you're the Dodgers looking at this next series. You know, you can watch all the video you want mm-hmm. until you actually see that fastball and, and and see the life on it. If it's something different that hitters aren't used to, yeah. you know, they're they're going to have to go through the lineup a few times to really make that adjustment. Yeah, Barnhart said the the fastball and the changeup looked exactly the same yeah. coming out of his hand, and with that yeah. Iron Mike pitching motion, that yeah. And a good curveball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and just poison, the demeanor, just all that that you just can't teach, man. That usually takes guys years to develop. Take yeah, and that's, you know, no maybe time. the no fans. It, I think yeah, he oh, said yeah. that, but maybe the no fans. That's that's a huge factor for a lot of guys to, to have that poison demeanor under, you know, different. It's basically yeah. a rookie ball setting, you know. It, it, there's yeah. no – the pressure is really high. Everybody knows it's the playoffs, but that – the thing that fans do is when you throw ball one or, or give up a single on the road, things like that, and the fans start making a ton of noise, it, it reinforces those little mini failures. And it, right. it can kind of it can kind of toy with your head and, and let you know more that you're struggling right now versus no fans in the stands at all. It's easy to just give up a single and just, you know, all right, I'll just get a double play. Well, there's going to be 11,500 in the stands at uh, the NLCS. That's what they're letting in. But. Okay. That's what one. That's a quarter capacity and neutral site fans. So neutral. I don't know how many will be. I would think the Braves <laughs> be the same as the crowd noise. Uh, Braves and Dodgers are both travel well. Dodgers have yeah. fans everywhere, obviously. Uh, 
I, I would, I, it, it, you know, this being such a unique thing for the Braves, the Dodgers go there, have gone there four straight years to the LCS. I would think the Braves would be more inclined. Fans with some money would be more inclined to go, and especially fans in that area. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of expecting a slight Braves advantage, but I just don't know that it's going to be a big factor. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what it sounds like though compared to when they turn off the crowd noise, because the crowd noise is the noise of a large crowd. You know, of a, of a packed yeah. house. So it's going yeah, to probably be a stadium. lot more it quiet. It sounds pretty loud. It's going to be a lot more quiet, I would think. Yeah. With 11,000 fans rattling around in that uh, retractable dome stadium that they'll probably have closed. Yeah, if they have it closed, you know, Tampa Tampa would have like 10,000 in there. And just a, a dome always sounds a lot louder. So that, that can kind of help and, yeah. and, and make it sound more realistic. But it's still not going to be like, you know, when we had 55 or whatever it was for that wild card game. Man, I'd never heard a crowd like that in that first <laughs> inning. I remember when the Braves played uh, at Houston in a division series, and they kept the roof closed. And the Braves yeah. were pissed because it was beautiful outside, but yep, the Astros kept noise. it closed. Cause, and this is when they had all the killer bees, yep. and they played the buzzing sound whenever one of them would bat, and they'd do something, and they would turn up that buzz sound, and the yep. crowd was, oh, man, it was loud. It was deafening in that place. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was thinking about it too. You know, it's a shame because there's been some cool moments in this postseason. Yeah. I, if there was fans that, when when Bellinger made that catch in center field, if that happened yeah. in L.A. <laughs> and and <laughs> the pitcher's throwing his glove and hat off the field and waving at Machado, I mean, that yeah. Dodger yeah. Stadium would have just been going crazy. You know, it it sucks that there's been some of these cool moments without fans. But I'm with you. I think it's helped. I think it's helped the Braves because they have two rookies in their starting rotation yeah. who, you know, combined had like you know less than 20 starts under their belts before this postseason started. I mean, it's got to have helped them. Yeah, and even you know, even your home fans can almost amp you up so much that you overthrow yeah. and, and get out of yourself too. Sure. You know, there's there's emotions when it's when they're on your side too. But uh-huh. that noise, man, that it's just it's something that you know it just reinforces whatever's happening in the game, and amplifies the the emotions you have to a point where you kind of. It's a lot harder to tame everything and and be yourself and be normal out there. So I I do think it's a really good thing for for a couple of young brave starters. And the Marlins would have actually had uh, some probably some big crowds in their yeah. dome stadium for after yeah. getting to this you know to the second round of the postseason for the first time in so long, um, and having never lost a postseason series at a seven tr- yeah. <laughs> seven po- yeah. before this one. And you get so they would have. And that place is loud when they get twenty five thousand in there. So I'm sure they would have had you know thirty five for you know for for a playoff yeah, game at least for sure. But um, so so the starting rotation one two six ERA in five playoff games. They've given up four runs. All of those were off Max Fried in Game One against the Marlins. <laughs> the, the other the other four starts obviously were shutouts. So, so the starters and the relievers have given up none. <laughs> well, the bullpen's just been a joke. It, dude, 0.44 ERA, one run allowed in 20 and a third innings. And that was Martin, strikeout. right? And it didn't matter. Yep, yep, didn't matter. That was in the yeah, that was in the the nine to five game. Yeah, 26 strikeouts, four walks in 20 and a third innings. Brace pitchers in the entire postseason have given up one homer in five games. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it's a damn good pen too, and you're forgetting that dude like Jacob Webb's even on the team. Yeah, <laughs> you know what and, I mean, he'd be pitching big innings for a lot of teams this postseason. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing uh, before yesterday's game. Snit was talking about how um, they uh, they did not have to use any of their go to guys, uh, so so he doesn't consider among you know go to guy. <laughs> Webb. Mentor, Shane Green, Webb. And I'm thinking those three guys, especially Mentor and, and Green, would be arguably the, among the best three pitchers for almost any other uh, bullpen. They'd at least be setting up. Yeah. Mentor might be closing for half the major league teams this year. He looks so damn good. I, I, that changeup is going to change his career. Cause, uh-huh. Because before he had everything going to the same side of the plate. Everything, his fastball had natural cut. His slider was kind of cut hitters could eliminate uh basically they could eliminate everything away and now you see him every time he throws that change up and it just stays down away the hitters just roll over it so that that just opens up the whole plate for him but he's just ever since he started throwing that i saw him throw that in i think it was an exhibition game early on it might have been against the marlins 
And it was it was kind of eye opening for me. Like, oh, you know, I always thought he needed a better uh-huh. breaking ball, but seeing him throw that change up just opened up the whole plate for him. I was thinking, man, this guy, he might have a really damn good year. And then, you know, I mean, you see the confidence he has now too. It's totally changed. Yeah, and that's just, and those are two things that Tomlin worked on with him: the change up and the confidence. Yeah, he's just attacking hitters now. The inning he threw yesterday, they were just, I mean, they were just flailing at change ups and fastballs beating him. The announcers were, I mean, they were just laughing that. That he was the guy throwing in, in kind of a yeah. blowout game, and that's what the yeah. Braves are bringing in, you know. I mean, with their lefties, with Will Smith, Matzik, Matzik stuff is has been unbelievable, and then and Mentor, those three lefties. Oh. Well, three lefties that can get righties out. You yeah, know, it's, oh, yeah. It's it's one thing to have like George Sherrill or somebody that you know, right. lefties hit lefties hit 086 off of, but lefties are hitting 395, yeah. you know, something like that. But when you got three lefties that. Especially with that rule, you know, the new three batter yeah. minimum oh, rule, yeah, it huge. makes it so much easier for Snit to manage. But when you got lefties like Will Smith can throw a slider to anybody, Matzik's fastballs, I mean, he's better against righties, it seems like. His fastball beats anybody. And then Minner's got three pitches now all of a sudden that are that are plus. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot to bite off for another team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. O'Day, I thought they were going to run into trouble with that three batter rule when O'Day, when they had a couple of things go wrong and what he hit a guy and walked a guy. They brought him in. Uh, yep. With uh, Ian Anderson had gone five and two thirds, was up yep. near a hundred, and he had not gotten out Brian Anderson. This was in game yeah. two with uh, on uh, Wednesday, and uh, Snit after you know Anderson had some good swings against him, and he had given up a single that inning. They were two out, so he brought he brings in O'Day to face Brian Anderson. And he hits him with a pitch. <laughs> He's like, okay, that's not what was supposed to happen. Then he walks Brian. Cooper. Yep. Uh, and then they have the bases loaded. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the first inning when it really comes unravel for the yeah. Braves. They're going to get blown yeah. up right here. It's going to change the series. It's going to be even. And he gets Joyce on a first pitch ground out to Freddie Freeman. I'm like, okay, that didn't that wasn't hard. Well, I mean, it almost plays into your favor sometimes too if you can understand that when hitters see that you know, it's supposed to be a good matchup for them yeah. or, or you have, you have, these yeah. revert, you have these splits that are really bad against one side yeah. of the plate. Yeah. The hitters always come up, you know, it used to work in my favor a lot all the time when I was setting up because uh-huh. righties would come up and see a lefty throwing 89. Uh-huh. And I know that. And I just throw a fastball down the way and they try to get big and they hadn't seen the movement yet. They'd roll over it to shortstop. I think that's kind of Joyce just uh-huh. thought I'm going to get a first pitch fastball and do some damage. Uh huh. Ground out. I thought the same know? thing, man. Yeah. He was trying to, he was trying to, Get trying four. to do damage, yeah, yeah and, and that's get... something. You know, I heard Buck Showalter and uh, I don't know who else was on this. I think it was Jim Palmer, maybe. So, but Buck uh, Showalter was Jim talking Cott, about wasn't it? Jim Cott. Jim Cott, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but Buck was talking about you know some of the swings the Marlins were taking in big situations where he was yeah. he was calling them homer swings. You know, even with two strikes, they were these big swings. And that's what that's what I thought was so cool when when Freddie came up and just tried to hit a single to left, got his single. Ozuna came up. And just slap the ball to right field, you know. Just this team, they're playing team baseball, and and there's not a single guy that just wants to be the guy or has to be the guy. You know, they they take what's coming to them, and those slap singles, those are the most frustrating hits as a pitcher. When you when you when you make a good pitch and the guy's not trying to do too much and just slaps a ball in, in some hole you gave him, especially a shift slap single, you know, it, it gets yeah. in the pitcher's head. Um, but, yeah, those things, you know, those were things I thought the Braves did this series that I didn't see the Marlins doing. And Freddie did that in the big hit he had in Cincinnati, shortened up yep. and, had, and, yep. and just tried to get a hit, didn't try to go didn't try to go deep. Um, so, yeah, the bowl, the, the, the facing another team, with a, obviously, with a really solid, great pitching yeah. staff. The Dodgers bullpen has a 1.64 ERA. They've given up four earned runs in 22 innings. They got 23 strikeouts, six walks. Kenley Jansen's not the guy that he was. He's not in. He's, he's not their primary closer now. So, um, you know, they're not. They're not quite. I mean, they're not the bullpen that the Braves have right now. The Dodgers no. is, is not. So, 
Well, even Joe Kelly, man, it got sketchy when Joe Kelly came in and started throwing balls all over the place. Exactly. And the Braves do not have the equivalent of Joe Kelly. No, No, they don't. So if the the Braves can go toe-to-toe with them in those first two starts and then get a good one from Kyle Wright again, you got then you get to game four. You know, all you need to do is get Enoa to go three or four. You don't need him to go five or six. You just nope. need him to go three or four solid innings. Or Josh Tomlin, if you wanted to go that, depending on what the matchups look like, however. But I'm thinking Enoa's probably going to be the guy. Uh, and then you turn over the bullpen in the third, fourth, fifth inning, and they can hand, take the rest of the way. Well, you got seven guys you can count on. Yeah. Then you could then depending on whether or not you face if you were facing elimination you'd bring back Freed on short rest in yeah. game five. Yep. Uh, yeah. But uh, but if not then you get you wait and have him go game six. I, uh, I think the only tough call the only tough call Snit's going to have to make is if Wright did struggle in game three, uh-huh. who he goes to in the pen. You know, I, also depending how bad it gets. But right, right. You know, it's tough because if you're down three or four. A lot of times in the playoffs, it's you know fourth, fifth inning. You don't feel like you're going to win this game. You almost you'd bring in somebody like Tomlin or something. But with this offense, this off, I know three or four. I mean, it's it's basically Changes a one run lead. It it does. So that's going to be the tough call he's going to have to make. Is if there is a rough start, you know, knowing that you're probably doing a bullpen day or something the next day, um, which guys you go to and wanting everybody fresh and and trying to win today or come back today or just basically throwing up the white towel and and knowing you want all your your studs available tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, their starters, Brave starters, actually have a better ERA than the uh, than the Dodgers. Braves have got a one two six starters ERA. The Dodgers two point three five, same number of games five. Both teams have swept, by the way. Dodgers swept the Padres. That was pretty impressive. Padres were a little diminished though with their starting rotation. <laughs> I think they, I think I read they've had four bullpen games. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. You yeah. can't keep doing that stuff. It just doesn't work. You can do it. You can do it like once every time through the rotation, or even twice if you have to. But you can't do it four out of five games. Yeah, and it, you know the main thing about which is not something Snit really has to really deal with right now because every reliever that he's brought in has been lights out. But yeah, the 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 difference is you know you're banking on each guy to be on today. When when you go with a starter, you know you you know what you're getting out of him. You can read it and watch it, but when you're bringing in one guy after another, there's always that chance that one guy just doesn't have it, and that can turn yeah. into a huge inning. So that, that's exactly. that's the hard part about the bullpen games that I don't I don't really like. Mm-hmm. I saw A Rod criticizing the Yankees for it in game I think it was game two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw just, that too. Uh, funny thing is the Braves, if they need to, they have the bullpen to do it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean. I guess the only question will be some of those guys. How do they react if they're pitching in the third inning? You know, I don't know, but I mean, these. You think, I think playoffs would level it out. You yeah, know what I mean, too. If, you, if you brought Shane Green in in third inning in August, you, you might not know what to expect. He might not be the same guy, but right when it's playoffs, man, the intensity is going to be there. And they have the cohesiveness that this bullpen has, and and the, I mean, these guys they really like each other and they pull for each yeah. other. They were talking about, and Snit was talking about this too, how all their guys were out for the sim game when a couple of them were getting work in because they hadn't gotten yep. pitched in the Cincy game. All the other relievers were out there in the bullpen and everything, yelling for these guys, messing with them. I mean, and they didn't even have to be out there. But that's just the kind of guy. We were talking to O'Day about this. And he, O'Day's you know, been in a lot of bullpens, like a 15-, 16-year veteran. And he said he's never been in one this deep. And he was on some really good ones in Baltimore too, like Britain, those guys. But he said, never been in one this deep. And he said, it's the greatest bunch of guys. He's really having a great time with them. And he's like the ringleader, you know, the funny guy that holds them all together, keeps everybody calm, doesn't let anybody get carried away too high, too low. But they just have this uh, – they have this cohesiveness, that team within a team, you know, that you guys always talk about in the bullpen. Yeah. And I think it's huge for these guys. And, and, and they trust each other, you know. And, and I don't think there's any of that bitterness or envy. No, and you got to have – well, that starts at the top. You know, having a guy like Melanson leading it, who seems like the most unselfish uh-huh. guy on the team. You know, having him, having having Green that's been through it, having O'Day. When you have those guys, you know, when shit starts going south or, or there's a bad game or two, you need kind of like a group message. And when uh-huh. you have guys you can turn to that aren't panicking, that aren't worried about it, that are just positive and 
um, just just keeping you on the up. It, it's it can get it can get really stressful down there. You know, if you, if you got the phone ringing all over the place and you got right. a few guys just bitching about it and right. cussing out the manager over this move, uh-huh. I mean that negativity like it could just spiral through every single guy. And the young guys need that. You know, they yeah. need a positive guy to just say it's not a yeah. big deal. We just got to do our thing. So it seems like they have some pretty damn good leadership down there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was guys like Mentor, Matzik, uh, Webb. That if they didn't have that kind of atmosphere down there, that kind of guy you never that was know. willing and ready to tell them, "Hey, here, here's chill, man. It's all good. Here's what we're doing." And, you know, and to to keep them calm, you don't know what's going to happen in the postseason when they come in. Yeah, and especially you know, a lot of teams you'll you'll have these closers that are just selfish dudes. You know, it's all about them, uh-huh. and, and they're making their big right. deal, and they'll throw this big ass fit when they have to pitch in a game that's not. Yeah, it's not close. Uh-huh. You know, they don't feel like they needed work today in a five-run game. They only want to pitch when it's a safe situation. They're kind of like a diva mentality, uh-huh. and that filters downhill too. You know, other guys will pick that up, and they'll be bitching and questioning the manager too. You, you need guys up front that just basically tell everyone to shut up, be positive, and, and go get their job done, whatever it is. And it seems like they have that. And that kind of guy you're talking about is not going to is not going to go over and help those young guys or the, or guys that or maybe even not necessarily a young guy, but a guy that has not been in the postseason. And they're not going to have any. They're not going to give a shit if the guy's you know stressed out or whatever, because they're going to worry about themselves, and that's it. No, and it's it's just it's something that you know I, I'm really big on, and it's so hard to measure, but it's it's super important just to just to set that mentality, that group mentality, and it obviously they have it. If if a guy like O'Day yeah. who's been around saying it's the closest knit, most fun group he's ever been a part of. Yeah, yeah, they're all saying that, man. They're all they they love the chemistry, and and. Uh, Darno was saying the same thing, but we'll get to Darno here. Um, so yeah, Braves and Braves and the thing that surprises me here is the Braves have actually pitched the starters have pitched twenty eight and two thirds innings to the Dodgers twenty three. Now that's something I would have never expected. You know, the Braves would be averaging an inning more than the Dodgers per start. No, no, I mean, well, that's yeah, what you with all those about. question marks, but they've gotten. Yeah, Snit hasn't had to make a tough. Uh, a ton of tough moves in, in the nope. playoffs so far. I almost felt like he should have, you know, the only thing I thought yesterday was whether he should pull right sooner, you know, uh-huh. to avoid any kind of like tough inning, keep his confidence up, and also to just get guys innings that they're going to have two or three days off and, and guys that hadn't pitched. But he wound up getting the guys in there he needed to. Yeah. But he's I had it pretty easy this, this postseason. I was surprised when he came out for a sixth inning. I was too. Worked out great, but yeah. I was surprised. Um. That's how much confidence he has in the kid right now. Uh, let's see. Atlanta's – here's a here's here's a crazy stat. 0.92 overall postseason ERA is the lowest through five games in more than a century since the Reds, 1919 Reds, 041. <laughs> I mean, and the Braves' five runs allowed is tied with the 1983 Orioles for the second fewest through five postseason games. And the fewest since the 1905 Giants allowed three. Yeah, well, I mean, if you keep this up, you can book it. <laughs> you know, you pitch like that, and it, it I don't know. I mean, it, th- that's why the Dodgers will be the big challenge because it's right. that's a juggernaut offense. It's that's going to be a lot more challenging to get through than the Reds or the Marlins. Yeah, and the Marlins they have a good offense, but I still felt like you know some of the swings they took and chasing a lot of sliders, some of the stuff they did in in big situations, I didn't feel like were really quality at bats. Yeah. So Darno has caught all five games because yeah. there's no way he's taking that bat. Yeah. And they were lucky in that all those games were day games. There was no uh, day games after night games. Right. You know, then he would have maybe had a question, uh, d- decision to make, but it was a it was a no brainer with this. But he's caught all five games. The dude went six for ten with seven RBIs in the three game sweep of the Marlins from the catching spot. That's the most RBIs ever. By a catcher in a division series. The yeah, and he, and he's calling. He's you know yeah. it's it's not one of those things where it's a tough call because the pitching staff's getting crushed and he's right. you know he's knocking in runs. I mean he's he's been behind the plate for all these starts. Yeah, I mean they all rave about you know the signals he's calling, the numbers he's putting down. You know him working with Sal Fasano has really helped him take his game up another notch defensively to get back with Sal, who was his minor league manager in Double A. Uh, so yeah, the other the record had been held, and he did the seven and three games. Remember, but the record for division series for catchers had been six, held by a couple of guys you're familiar with, Gary Carter and Pudge Rodriguez, were two of the three. 
Yeah, that's good company. And he matched Brian Jordan's Braves record, Division Series record, seven ribbies. Again, he did it in three games. So it's, he's already got the fourth highest RBI total by a Braves catcher for an entire postseason. With two two behind left. Javi Lopez's franchise records, nine in the 1995. Uh, that was a run all the way to the World Series. So he had nine for that whole postseason. And Darno's already got seven. He had him in all the Division Series. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been huge, and I think that's another part of it too. With me giving Freddie and Ozuna credit for for having those at bats, they know they got Darno behind them, and yeah. especially trying to navigate this lineup, there's just no breaks. It's it's been it's been it's just been so fun to watch a team that can just put up a five spot at any minute. It's hard to turn the TV off. And and he wanted to talk more about he just wanted to talk about the pitchers. All yeah. about the young guys, what they've been doing, the bullpen. He didn't want to talk about his stuff, but he said uh, he said they just been executing. They've been doing their homework, trusting the game plan, communicating really well in a bullpen as well. He said, "I think if they, he's talking about the relievers," he said, "If they see something with a hitter the day before, not only that night but the next morning, I hear them talking about it. They do a tremendous yeah. job. They're so tight, so close. It's really amazing to see and really amazing to be a part of." Yeah, well, that's what the big three did, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they were charting each other. Yeah. Talking about, yeah. So the Braves are getting this kind of stuff from their staff up and down, including the bullpen guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's a special team. I've, I don't know if I've felt this confident in a, in a Braves playoff team in a long time. Uh, absolutely. Feel the same. Since I've been covering them in 02, it's not even close. I thought that team last year uh, should have, obviously should have won yeah. that. Cardinal series because they I mean they just blew every chance in the four in that game four but I never had that confidence in them that they're going to get you know when they kept having those op- scoring opportunities with this team I would feel like oh they're going to do it here with that team I just felt like they they're capable of going three or four innings and keep blowing these these opportunities this yeah. team just has a different vibe to it and also the bullpen just changes everything when changes you don't have everything to, you know you, you if, if you don't have that. a good pen you're not even playing the Marlins. Exactly. You know, you you probably lose both of those yeah. games if you don't have a good pen. You lose both of those games to the Reds. You know, great point. One run man. games, getting late. That thirteen uh, inning game. Yeah, you're not winning that game. No way, no way. Your guy leaves early. You go with seven, seven shutout innings. <laughs> yeah, open. It's stupid. Well, you didn't even leave early. You still got seven scoreless. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they when the Braves failed to score. After loading the bases with none out in the second inning yesterday against Sixto, and he's throwing those hundred mile an hour fastballs, man, they got they got some guys with arms. But that worked out in the Braves' favor in the whole series that combined, though, because Braves are a hell of a fastball hitting team, yeah, best fastball hitting team in the league. Yeah, Darno hit a fastball they up got on his they, eyes. Yes, that was crazy, man. But so they they failed to score after loading the bases. They had that play where I mean Marquecas hits that little liner to left field. Uh, Darno said he should have tagged up, but it was tough, man, because he's going down thinking, "I want to score. I don't think it's going to get past him, uh, or I don't think he's going to catch it." But I don't want to go all the way because he might catch it. But he didn't want to wait at the base because if he does, and the guy just short plays it as a it, single, yeah, yeah short opposite, yeah. there's no way he scores. Yeah. So he's kind of caught in no man's land. So they don't score there. And I'm thinking, okay, here's going to be one of those games where they blow up, they go 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Nah, not but this team. Not this team, the way they're going right now, man. Not the way they're going right now. They did sometimes earlier in the year, but um, they got a leadoff walk uh, the next inning, then a single from Freddie, and then Ozuna, that hit you're talking about, opposite field singles through. That's what, So it's 1 0. Then Darno comes up. He gets a two-run double off the right center wall. And it was on an 0-2, 95-mile-an-hour fastball that was, I thought, at least 10 inches above the strike zone. <laughs> it was the, they said something. They said it was like the highest fastball yeah. hit that year or ever, or his no. career. It was something insane. Sarah Lang's stats guru, she tweeted that it was 4.09 feet off the ground. So it was the highest pitch Darno has ever put in play in his entire yeah. eight-year career. I don't know how you find that so quick, but that's what she said. <laughs> and Snit said, Snit loved it. He said, that was old school right there, just tomahawking a ball. He said, I mean, guys are pitching up a lot these days, yeah. and he just put an old school hack on that thing. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because if 
if you listened to to major leaguers talk, it's all they talk about is getting on top of the ball, swinging down on it. Yeah. And some guy with a YouTube channel, you know, he'll grab a clip of a rod or somebody swinging up at a ball that's belt high or or you know just above the knees or something like that, and they'll say these major leaguers don't know what they're talking about and. Uh-huh. It's funny because you watch guys practice swings and all they're doing is trying to swing down and get on top of it, get on top of it. And in today's game, you know, there are a lot of guys swinging up at the ball, but everybody's starting to pitch up in the zone. Right. And now you see, like you saw Darno, and, and what he's talked about is getting on top of the ball. And you watch, his, you watch that swing. I mean, he somehow almost swings down on a fastball up at his yeah. face. I mean, his bat stayed completely swing, level, and and he finished down. His finish wasn't high; it was down by his shoulders. But uh-huh. it's just interesting to me to to see all that and see. It's basically it's just a visual, you know. I, I, guys don't they know they don't always swing down on the ball, but you can't get on top of a ninety five mile an hour fastball up in the zone with a with a thought process of getting under it and swinging up. It's by you every time, and I think that was one of the adjustments. I don't know who he said he's working with, but he gave somebody credit for helping him get on top Chad of the ball Batolo. more. Yep. His minor yeah. league hitting coach was again his hitting coach in Tampa Bay and got him back to that yeah. swing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it it it, it helps with the blow the game open and help the Braves win. Point of trivia: I was in Chad Matolo's house when he got drafted by the Cincinnati Reds in nineteen uh, like early nineties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't even covering ball yet. I was covering like uh, everything, college sports and high schools and everything down in Fort Lauderdale, and he's from down there. And we knew he was going to be drafted really high. So it was one of those, you know, where you cover all the local guys. So yeah. I was at his house when he got the call from the Reds. He went on to have a decent career, but he's been a much better hitting coach. But Sean Casey was talking about what you're talking about, swinging down. Because, you know, with this launch angle, guys drop the back elbow and get in that plane. You know, Josh yeah. Donaldson does it, and he does it really well. But so many guys do it and don't do it well. But Casey was showing, was showing exactly what you're talking about as when these guys throw up, you can't hit the ball if you're doing that. And Sean Casey always, like like Darno does, swung down. Swung down. Yeah. Yeah. And you can hit any pitch when you're doing that, basically. You put that yeah, backspin on it like Chipper's Chipper. big into it. You oh, know, he puts that Chipper, backspin Chipper on. talks about it all the time. It, it just blows my mind that people think they know better than guys that are actually out there doing it. It's yeah. like me telling a pilot how to fly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And you hit it down like that and you backspin it. Like that ball that he hit. Now, they're probably juiced, I don't know. But it almost went out. Yeah. <laughs> that ball was up near his eyes, and he almost hit it out to the opposite field. He well, backspun The balls it. are definitely juiced. <laughs> yeah. The, the dude it's almost nuts. hit a ball out of – Olsen almost hit a ball out of Dodger Stadium the other day. <laughs> it's Stanton, nuts. I think Stanton hit almost hit the scoreboard in San yeah. Diego. And well, I swear, the, one, the, the conspiracy theory is real. Houston? Yeah. Hit the, the sound that it made when it hit that. The laser off that thing. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounded like it hit a garage door. I love, that's like that's just a painful exclamation mark, too, when you're a pitcher. And, <laughs> and there's no fans just, there. There's no fans. It's just, <laughs> like, this dude almost just broke the stadium off me. It was it was like the Astros hitting the trash can in the dugout. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for a lot of those jokes to pile out, you know, the bang coming after the pitch, but I didn't see too many of them. Hey. Think about this. The Astros could not have had that system during the pandemic year. No. It would have been so couldn't. obvious. <laughs> when they were no, banging on the trash can. I really don't want them. I really don't want them to make it to the Nobody World Series. Nobody does, man. Nobody's rooting for them except Astros fans. But that, I, I, like Correa coming out and saying, you know, what are you going to say now after they won the first round of the wild card series? I know. It's like, Just make it everybody doesn't hate change you more anything, again. But Remind everybody how much we hate you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know though. You know, there's something about playing with a chip on your shoulder that, yep. that mentality that you have to draw it from somewhere. And I think you know the, the Braves drew it from when Acuna got yep. hit, and the Braves um, have drawn it from getting beat the last two years, but especially last yeah. year. You know, yeah. blowing it when they had a chance. You know, blowing but it. But that was another. Four. That was another cool thing I saw yesterday after they won the series. They weren't jumping around like lunatics. Nope. Not at all. You know, they they were walking off the field high five and like they won a tough series in August. And the Dodgers uh, did the same thing last night. Yep, yep. There's two teams coming into this series that got their eyes on the big prize. Yep, yep. Braves, no champagne. I mean, it was like uh, Freddie They didn't said, do champagne? No, I don't think they had any. If they did, <laughs> it was kind of private. But they didn't squirt it on each other because they came into the Zoom interviews like 30, 45 minutes later. Nobody was wet. Nobody's hair was messed up. Mm. Yep. I like that. I think it's a good sign. I did they too. Got, they got their eyes set on the whole thing. I did too. I mean, it's like, you know, just 
congratulate each other and get ready. Start getting ready for the next one. And then you win yeah, a World took Series. Yeah, on the field, stuff like that. But You win a World Series, party like an NHL team, man. Party for a month if yeah. you want to. Oh, they will. They will. <laughs> but until then, just keep doing it, following the protocols, all that stuff. Yeah, and you know, I don't think that – I don't think it really numb or dulls it, you know, in a way that it was only a 60-game season or whatever because the playoffs – this playoff format's, I think, the toughest to win ever. Yeah. Having, you know, having no days off, having an extra round. Right. Having to play a three-game wild card series, more teams in it. You know, there's just more that can go wrong. But I think if you win the World Series this year, it means just as much as any other World Series. Everybody in the game has come around to that way of thinking because everybody now, to a man, everybody says they are as exhausted or more so now than they are after a 162. Snit said it. He said, I feel feel like after 60, I'm far more exhausted. Mentally drained than I was after any 162. Freddie said the same thing. He said every day you have to be on, you know, on your protocols and getting up early and peeing in and doing all the, you know, the pee Metal test grind. and the, the saliva yeah. test and all that. Said, yeah, it's, it's just constant. You don't get to go out and let blow off steam after games. So, yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah, that was something uh, Scotty Pippen said too about the NBA playoffs and. I, I can't remember which guy it was. And, uh, one of the analysts on TV was saying just that, you know, it's it's just different. It's different obstacles and different pressure and different right. stuff going on. Right. But it's, it, it's not any easier. And no days off during the season. Like one out of every 10 days instead of, you know, a, you know one or two a week. Yeah, no days off, no travel days, no days off in the postseason nope. either. Yeah, I mean, that's just relentless, man. It's crazy to look at it and just see, you know, if you scroll through the schedule and just flip through the days, it's game one, game two, game three, game four, yeah. game five, six, seven. There's no there's no rest there at all. I do love how fast, when you're not playing, I do love how fast it's happening, though. I do, too. It's, I mean, it's fun. You're already in the LCS, man. It feels yeah. like you just started and they've had an extra round. Yeah, it's not, I mean, like the NBA playoffs, it's almost another season. It, yeah. It, not this year, but normal years, it, you wouldn't even watch the first couple rounds and you just check back in in June, and it's finally the finals. Yeah, how about the NHL? They were in the bubble for the entire duration of the Major League season. Jeez. They were in the bubble for like seventy days. The guys that went all the way to the won the whole thing. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy in yeah, like it's, Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, it's it's exhausting. I bet uh, it'd be hard to you know you just you don't have any kind of outlet to go to. You just go to your room and go play baseball. Nah, Braves had a good setup in uh, in Houston though because they were at a resort outside of town, big, nice yeah. place. Had like ponds and everything, and they had all this setup for the kids. So everybody had their kids there and everything, and they had like ballroom set up with pitching machines, and the kids go go fishing, and they had uh, That's cool. golden tea for the guys and pinball. So it's not like you're trapped in a hotel downtown, you know, and couldn't do anything. Yeah, and that's another aspect of it too is the family aspect is right. how how much stress, you know, your yep. your wife's going through trying to deal with a pandemic and handle kids and all that. You know, that can affect players too. So And they're you know, being tested too. Yeah, and they're going through all the protocol and trying to get a 4-year-old to follow it. Right. <laughs> it's got their own plans. Uh, there's just there's a lot of different stress and pressure, but yeah, this if you if you win this World Series and you look at the teams in it, look who's left. You know, it, no, it, it it's the teams you expect. rises. Yep. Everybody said Dodgers and uh, and Braves. Padres moved into that when they made all their moves. But those have been the teams all year, though. Yep, and and we're here. And then you got the Astros playing either the, yeah. the Yankees or the Rays, which every time I've turned on that Yankees-Rays series, I've thought San Diego was playing just because the Rays have the same colors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it takes me a second to register. It's kind of weird seeing uh, – that's kind of a weird thing, having all these teams in these different parks. It is bizarre having the bizarre. Dodgers playing in the postseason, but games are being played at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's funny because the, the the other teams are crushing home runs there and the Dodgers aren't hitting any. The Dodgers have, have, haven't hit many in the postseason before and other teams are just crushing them. Well, I'm wondering Stadium. about that too, though, how, how that – because that, that park, the ball's not really supposed to fly. They got a juiced bunch of balls out there for that series, man. <laughs> Bring in a special – Special batch for, for this one. They're particularly juiced. So, yeah, Darno, we were talking about, you know, how – just look at the signings, the off-seasons. Hamels obviously was a disaster. But you look at Ozuna and Darno, the two guys that you signed, yeah. your position guys. I mean, you wouldn't be where you are. You wouldn't even be close. And then Darno in the postseason has been the biggest – has been the hero so far. 
We didn't we didn't pick him, did we? No. Nope. For our uh well we picked right though, and he's been he's been big. He had a big yeah. start. But yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that that might have been a guy we should have thought of, but yeah, you know, it's having it there's no having a dude like Darno that that doesn't have to hit in the three or four hole. He's in he's in the five hole and he's hot and you don't even think about moving him because the three and four hole hitters are so damn good too. Well, he's been hitting cleanup. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. yeah I keep thinking I keep keep thinking five hole because I, I just assume Freddie. I just think there. of Freddie as a three hole hitter. Yeah, so now right, he's, he's right. hitting cleanup, but even then, starting this off the game with Acuna well. and then Freddie, <laughs> it's just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. and Azuna. I mean, this lineup is crazy at the top. There's no better one, two, three in baseball than that at the top. You can't be. No, no, it shouldn't be a one, two, three. It should be a three, three, four, four. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the guys should. They're all just Acuna. Whatever reason, he just rolls in the leadoff spot. But I mean, he could hit in the four hole. And then you have, and then you go to Darno, who's got crazy pop, which nobody knew that he had, you know, even though he had 16 bombs last year in like 90 games, still you didn't you didn't know he had this kind that he hit like this. His OPS over over 900 this year and now in the postseason it's taken to another level. And then you got Dansby. We've talked about him how he's come around. He could take you out Oppo anytime. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's huge because he's kind of a big moment guy. Yep. And he's just lurking down there. He's he's not he's not you know, you already battle through the the top four or five guys in the lineup, and then you get to Dansby, who for me is every time he comes up, I feel like he's going to do something, and he got some big hits in the series. But there's just yes. there's just no breaks, and and having him down there, having a big a big moment guy down there that that could yep. he could hit two hole for this team. Um, it's man, it's just it's got to be a grind for these pitchers. Uh. By the way, during the season, Darno, everybody wanted Real Muto. Remember what they were going to have to give up yep. to get Real Muto? I mean, yep. again, total studs. Like, Ozzy was the guy they really wanted, but they wanted more than that, too. Imagine if they'd have done that deal. And now look at Real Muto this year and the year he had. And look what you got from Darno. Two-year, yeah. $18 million contract for Darno. Well, yeah, and having having a catcher that can hit, too, because if you if you have a catcher that's really good behind there, but he's basically an out at the plate, uh-huh. how many rallies could he have killed uh, this oh. series? You know, hitting into a double play or striking out in a big Absolutely. moment. And instead, you're getting the biggest hits from him. He's hit, he hit 321, career high during the season, 919 OPS, nine homers, 34 ribbies in 44 games, 33 starts behind the plate. Flowers started 22 games behind the plate during the season, but again, it's going with him every game during the postseason. I know Flowers, if this next series goes on and on, Flowers will have to start, but but that ain't bad. I mean, it's not like you're sticking Flowers in there and a guy can't hit at all, but he ain't no Darno, that's for sure. Right, yeah. And, I mean, he's, it hasn't been a hard decision for Snit when, when no. Darno's hitting the way he has. Right. And, uh, and Freddie said uh, – on Darno, he said he's been doing it all year. He goes, that's my pick for Silver Slugger for catcher. And who would have ever thought that in the league with Real Muto? You'd be saying Darno's your Silver Slugger. But he is. He should be. If he doesn't get it, he got screwed. Yeah. No, he'll get it. Well, I don't know. That's I mean, stats. it's postseason with clinch it, but I know that doesn't matter. It's not. Yeah. That's, I think that's already in. We don't vote for that, but those votes are already in, I think. But it goes strictly on numbers, and his numbers are the best. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he should get it. Uh, yeah, Snip was talking about him. He said, just huge, huge. He said, I can't say enough about what he's done defensively, offensively. So you're talking elite players right there that do what he's done in these two series here and the impact that he's had offensively with ex- with expending all the energy catching, what, 13 innings in that playoff game. Remember, they had that right off the bat. And he yeah. came back and caught the next day. Yeah, I'll be interested, though, you know, if he, if he stays this hot, if they try to catch him day game after a night game. Yeah. Um, so, Freddie, there were two moments yesterday where guys got almost a little, had to kind of choke back some emotions. One was Freddie talking about Snit. We're talking about Snit being a guy that's taken him back to the NLCS for the first time since 01. And Freddie said, everything that Snit gets, he deserves. He's a baseball man. He's a Braves man. He's been in this organization for so long, and he deserves all the success that's coming. He said it started with manager of the year a couple of years ago, so hopefully we can cap off his wonderful baseball life with a World Series, hopefully soon. Yeah, and you love to see it happen for a guy like that that put in so much time just being an yeah. organizational guy, you know, wait for his moment. Um, I, I'm fired up for him. He, he's one of my favorite baseball people I've ever been around. 
and he and, got scapegoated a few years ago when he got when he got bumped from the because they had, they felt like they just had to you know make a change in the coaching yeah. staff because they disappointed yeah. that year, and he was the guy. He got bumped to trip manage in AAA. Never said a word about it, but he got totally screwed. He was the third base coach forever. And, and, but how admirable is that? Just to just to you know, I think karma is a big thing in life, and, yep. and just wearing that on the chin and, and staying strong and, and being a good guy through it all. I mean, I never heard him say a thing or saw a thing, but now you wind up in this situation. Just yeah. you know, he could have quit. He could have he could have thrown fits. He could have been yep. a dickhead about it. He could have been you know hung up on how he got screwed over. He just took it on the chin, went down, and kept working hard. And now he's here. And if he would have done any of those things, if he'd have gone and complained and started backstabbing and talking about they should have fired the manager or should have fired yep. the GM, when that opening came up, when Freddie got fired in that May 2016, they would not have turned to Snit to get him through because they had a whole, almost a whole season, you know, three quarters of a season to go. But they turned yeah, it to Snit. Like the first week. <laughs> it felt yeah, quick. Yeah, it was early in May. So they turned to Snit, and look what he's done with that opportunity. Interim manager for the rest of that year. And, I mean, you know, he's going to finish top three manager of the year again this year. Yeah, and he's just, you know, what he's just full of passion and heart. And you, and you watch the way this team plays for him. It's undeniable that, that he's had that effect on the entire – just the, the entire mindset of the team and, and how they play for him and, and how he treats guys and everything like that. I mean, there's uh-huh. I know there's no way to measure it, but just watch the damn games. It's pretty obvious. And never more so than in a year like this with all the challenges – and yep. the playing every day and the protocols. If you don't like your manager, that dissension's going to come out, or they're not going to be willing to do what they've done, playing every day and going and, and without you know, God screw you, I'm going out tonight or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, the, and and they've they've done exactly what he's asked them to do, and nobody's complained about their roles, you know, and getting bumped a little lower in the bullpen or in the batting order, you know. Nobody's like raking in the six or eight hole, going, I should be moving, I should be up hitting higher. Nobody ever says a word like that. Yeah, and you know the only the only thing that that ever gets criticized is some of his bullpen moves, I guess. But right. one, he hasn't had to deal with as much with the DH. But also, you know, there's there's just so much more to those moves. Yep. And having a it's pretty damn easy to manage this bullpen. I mean, <laughs> flip a yeah. coin and bring somebody in. But yeah, you know that's who he is and and how he leads this team for me is just what what makes him so great. So then Snit said he was uh, he was he's thrilled for everybody, obviously, but he's so happy for Freddie. Yeah. You know, he's, Freddie's been almost half his life in his Braves organization, by the yeah. way. And then from Nick Marcakis, 15-year veteran, and he came here at the start of the rebuild, signed that four-year deal. Never complained during a whole rebuild, never said, you know, at the end of the thing, came back, stayed here, wanted to see yep. it through. And it's been just a huge positive force for this team through, through the whole thing and steered guys in the right direction, young guys taking their cues off of him, you know. The example that he sets. So, well, and you see teams that are super talented, right? You know, you you see the Phillies. What's <laughs> they got the talent, and, yeah. and what's going on over exactly. there? You know that it's it's there's always these teams that seem like they should be really damn good, and you can just tell they're not clicking. And this team, you watch them, they just click. You know, they've had that special feeling to them, all the comebacks, everything they've been doing all year. Um, it's it's for me, it's it's just so hard to. It's it's hard for me to believe that people don't buy into all these things, the leadership and, and mentality and how important it is for a baseball team. But I think this team's a great example of it. How about the play, by the way? We didn't even talk about the play Nick made the other day. The awareness that yeah. that dude showed. But yeah. for not trying to lay out and die for that ball, game changes. Dude out a second. Huh? Yeah. yeah. If he and tries he to die for that, which most a lot of guys would have dove, tried to be the hero, when he, had, he knew yep. he didn't have a chance. But a lot of guys would have tried to dive and make that catch. That ball rolls past him. That's a double. There's runners on second and third with no outs. That whole game's changed. Yeah. Whole game's different. Yeah. But he got up. He let it bounce, and he did the only thing he could do, too, to get the out. Barehanded it, and in one motion throws the guy out at second. I mean, just changed the whole game right there. Yeah. Um. So then uh, Snit was talking about it. He was, he, somebody said, you know, you know, what do you think? How good does it make you feel to do this right now for a city that really sports fans are hurting in this town right now? They haven't had anything for a while. And Snit had a great response. He said, yes. He goes, he goes, absolutely. He said, because this has been a tough time for all of us. He said, in this sport, in our world, in our city, our fan base. He goes, I love the fact that we can give these people something to look forward to to watch. 
And these guys are very entertaining. They play their hearts out every night, and I'm so proud of them and equally proud that they can give our fans, our fan base, something to cheer about and get excited about here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's exciting. (laughs) Yeah, they are fun to watch. This is, I I haven't looked forward to a series. I thought that Dodgers-Padres one was going to be really good, but I haven't looked forward to a series this much because the team I'm rooting for, I feel really good about. You know, you know it's going to be tough. And then uh, last thing he said, somebody asked him, you know, of all the people that, you know, kind of helped you along the way to get here, who are you going to share this with, you know, now that you've won this thing? you got a couple of days. And and he said, uh, you know, there's so many. He goes, but number one is going to be Bobby, Bobby Cox. Yeah. You know, he talked to Bobby before the series. And Bobby can't really speak very well, you know, you know on the phone. So, But Pam told Sned that, you know, Bobby was so excited. He wanted to come through the phone practically. It's just when they won it, he said the first thing he wanted to do was call Sned when they won the division series. So Sned said he talked to him and he said, uh, uh, you know, before they went to Houston, he said, I know it's hard for him. And Snit was about to cry. I mean, he's fighting back the emotions. Yeah. And he said, but I talked to him the other day, and he was practically jumping through the phone. He said, Pam called and said, as soon as the third out was made, we want to walk our series. He wanted to call. And when I talked to him, I don't know that anybody was more happy with what we're doing right now, right here, than that man right there. He said that I'll be forever beholden to. He said, but there's a lot of people out there I know I'm going to be in touch with. But he said he's he was be number one. It was pretty moving, man. Yeah. Well, just what, what Bobby was to people, too. You know, I mean, he – I know he's not doing great right now, but I still got the shoes he gave me off his feet. And those things, I'm never – that's probably my most prized possession And when yeah. I look back at my baseball careers. Um, I walked into that – I walked into that clubhouse, and, and I need I forgot my shower shoes, and I went in there to ask Bill Acre for some. When they first yet when I first signed and and you know I was down I was way down on myself I had 20 ERA with Seattle the year before yeah. hurt my back I mean I was just I didn't mean anything to that organization I was just a scrap heap pickup that yeah. you know he could have easily just watched me get rolled by Bill Acre for not have for not being prepared and bringing all my stuff and uh, and Bill let you know you know he he right. loves giving guys a hard time and I think Bobby kind of saw me walking in there with no confidence and just you know hey Bob uh, hey Bill I could I forgot my shower shoes you know before Bill could even respond or bite my head off, Bobby just ripped the shoes right off his feet and said, "Here you go, kid." Wow. <laughs> you know, and wow. and I kept those. I wore them. I wore them all year, and then um, I I should have had him sign them or something. But I those mean more to me than than any other possession I have from baseball. Any of my gloves or jerseys or anything from good years. Or I got a World mm-hmm. Series rings with the Mets. And if you put those two things on the table, I mean, you could have the World Series ring in a second over the shoes Bobby gave me off his feet. But wow. I mean that's that's who he was, and that's that's what he passed on to Snit, and and that's why Snit's so great too. Absolutely, I mean Snit learned everything he knows about most of what he knows about the game from Bobby. I mean on how to manage, yep. coach, deal with people, and that's what makes Snit a great manager. You know, people that yeah. don't aren't around him, don't talk to his players, they don't understand that why he's such a great manager, and it's because he's so great with people, with yep. relationships, and with handling a clubhouse for 162 plus spring training plus postseason. And that's what Bobby was so great at, and that's why the Braves win every year. You know, they didn't win it, and you could criticize Bobby for some of the moves he made in postseason or whatever. But that's more of a crapshoot than anything. But the fact yeah. is, they got there every year, and Bobby was a huge reason they got there every year, and why guys wanted to stay playing for Atlanta every year. And, and you have guys overperform under him. You know, yeah. you have a guy like Ozuna come into this atmosphere and have right. a career year. You know, you have a guy like Darno who's yeah. nobody knew he was going to do this, but you keep seeing yeah, these guys that that surprise you and it's it's all about that it's all about that um and just how you're treated you know the atmosphere you're in i talk about it i feel like i've talked about it a hundred times this year but as a reliever when you have a rough game and you got to walk by that manager in the hallway or something like that there's so many managers that will literally duck into a broom closet because they're so mad at you or so disappointed and you not look you in the eye and and that's something bobby did that's something snit did they look you in the eye. They tell you you're going to be back out there tomorrow. They pat you on the ass. They smile, and they make it no big deal. And so you show up to the field the next day, and you're fine. You know, you're, you're not right. – when when a manager won't look at you, you know, it's just another reinforcement that you suck right now. And when he brings you into the game, you know this guy's expecting you to dick up, and he didn't want to bring you in. 
And even stuff like, you know, throwing Kyle right back out there for the sixth inning. We were talking about we weren't sure if he should or, or, or that was the right yeah. thing to do. But, you know, they've, they've got, they're, they're working up extra levels to their moves where he's like, yeah. you know what? Let me, let me yeah. throw Kyle out there, show him I'm confident and get him through Absolutely. six. Cause now he's got a six inning start and, a, and another big inning that, that he didn't necessarily need to throw that he can build on. Um, but I think that's some of the moves you see sometimes that, that you question is, is, managers trying to work guys mentalities and and build their confidence and and showing confidence in them and and everybody knows the guy's struggling he sucks but if he happens to go out there and the manager shows confidence in him and he puts up a zero now he might be rolling and now he might get going but that's all the little stuff that you know snit and bobby did and and snit still does that i I think makes a huge difference um that it's impossible to measure but it, it it can change guys careers well said man well said um, we'll end it on that note. We will be back on Tuesday. And by then, the Braves will have played a game or two in this uh, LCS that I think everybody is looking forward to. This Can't is wait. Be a great, this should be a great series. I, I really think it's going to be a good series. And uh, game one matchups are going to be interesting too. Um, so we'll talk to you guys on, on Tuesday. We'll appreciate you hanging in. It's getting fun. 755 is real. We're out. <laughs>